0: We are so grateful to Angela for sharing her story. It takes a lot of bravery and courage to do that. The reason we ask her to talk about her experience and the reason she agreed to do it is because we know that when one person tells a story, the rest of us can relate to it in some way. When we hear somebody else's story and we see somebody being brave, it, it makes us, it makes me feel like maybe I could do that too. It makes us feel like we're not Alone, You may be somebody who has struggled with alcohol addiction or maybe not, but I bet that there are pieces of her story that you connect with. This is week three of our series called Back On Track, so welcome. And and today is called Stepping Out of Addiction. Now, some of you may be saying, good, the church is finally talking about the issue that I struggle with. A good chunk of the rest of you might feel like, that's great, but there's nothing there I really am having a hard time with, but I wanna ask you today to think with me about this and don't close yourself off to this conversation quite yet because there's something at the root of addictive behavior that we all deal with. It may come out for you in different ways, but at the root of it, there's something that each of us relates to and each one of us deals with it because it's a part of what it means to be human. And, and what it looks like when we don't involve God at the deepest parts of who we are. Let me start by saying this. How we understand a problem always determines how we understand help for the problem. One day, uh, I think about a couple years ago now, I realized that for like a week or two straight, I was walking past this spot on my driveway just as I went into my garage, and it was covered with this black, Substance on the garage on the, on, the, on the ground and one day I noticed it and I really wasn't Really sure how long it had been there, but it couldn't have been that long I, I looked at it closely and it looked like some kind of honestly like animal droppings And my first thought was it must be from some birds And so I looked up on the roof to see if there were some birds that had built a nest but I couldn't see anything I didn't see anything. I didn't see them flying around and then I started thinking well, maybe it's mice and it was at the center of my driveway just a weird area a small area and the first thing i did was i just swept it away and i went to bed and i got up the next morning and i walked outside and there it was again and i swept it away again and the same thing happened that night the the, the next morning i walk out it's there again and at that point i began to think could this be mice like why would they be congregating in this one spot right in the middle of my driveway every night it's weird and there was nothing there that would be like a logical draw for mice but it looked like it was for mice and so i began to contemplate what could i do i started thinking about setting some traps and so one night i did i got some peanut butter i got a mouse trap i set it out there in the evening and i went to bed the next morning i was i was like kind of a little terrified to see what i might have, have found and found with the trap like there's no telling right so i go downstairs i open up the garage door and i slowly walk over to the trap and there was Nothing there. It was still set. There was peanut butter still in the trap. And here's the kicker the animal droppings were still there too. And I thought to myself, I don't know what's happening here, but I do not like it. And so I I left it. A couple more weeks go by with the mystery unsolved. I'm just learning to live with it, you know. And when one day I have this revelation, I'm not sure how, but this thought occurred to me. Actually, it was this picture that popped into my brain. So I get my ladder out of my garage and I lean it up against the house and I climb up enough to realize that one of my shutters has a gap in the bottom of it. I take a broom, the end of a broom handle, I reach up and I slowly pull it back and I see this row of furry creatures watching me and to my total horror in that moment, I realize I have bats. A family of bats living behind the shutter next to one of my kids' rooms. I'm gonna save the story of how I got rid of them for another message. But let's just say that how you get rid of bats is not how you get rid of rats. How we understand a problem always determines how we understand help for the problem. How we understand a problem, you with me? Always determines how we understand the help for, how, for, for the problem. This is very true when it comes to addictive behavior. If you're trying to, to, to beat it or if you want to help somebody else with it, what we have to do first is understand what's really going on. And there's a lot, like a lot out there about this issue. There are a lot of people to learn from, and addictive behavior is an issue that has been with us since humans have walked the planet. The Bible doesn't shy away from this. In fact, it is incredibly wise when it comes to human behavior. So, So all I wanna do today is point you to what the Bible says so we can understand the problem better and talk about some steps and invite God into the mix together. So first let's just say that addiction can involve alcohol, but it doesn't always have to. It can involve drugs. It can involve pornography. It can involve gambling or spending or a codependent relationship. There are a lot of ways addictive behavior plays itself out, but the core component to every addiction is this addiction involves the habitual placement of someone or something above God in your life. This is what the the Bible calls an idol, idolatry. Idolatry is the placement of someone or something else above God in your life. Now you may remember this story, the the people of Israel built a literal idol one time in the form of a calf made of gold. Moses had gone up on the mountain, this mountain, and God was delivering the law, the 10 commandments to to him, and all these other words of, of law to the people of Israel. He was up there for a long time, so long that the people got impatient They forgot what God had said. They they forgot what God had told them to do. They grew anxious. And so in order to satisfy the need that they had, they took all their gold, they melted it down and they formed a golden calf out of it and then they worshiped it. And I know, like that story sounds so ancient and you probably, if you remember it, you probably remember it because you went to Sunday school or if you watched the movie, The Ten Commandments, right? With Charlton Heston as Moses and it sounds so, old and foreign to us and yet this is what we do it is human nature to want to give ourselves to something or someone bigger than ourselves in the church we call that desire worship we're gonna worship something or someone the bible says we were created to worship god god alone and anything that we try to put in the place of god basically lesser gods well that's called idolatry We try it, we try to fill ourselves up with whatever it is, and it may feel good for a while, but it never really satisfies us because as with anything false, the promise is always greater than the result. The promise of alcohol is the same as the promise of drugs or pornography or spending or or a codependent relationship. It will make you feel better, that's the promise, but the result is that it always leaves you wanting more. Here's what the Bible has to say about idols. It's from the book of Psalms, Psalm 115. It says this, it says, Idols have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. Those are incredible words. It's saying that, Idols in our lives have no power to help you be a better person. They only have the power to destroy you and that in the end, all they will do is bring you down. It's just that we have this desire to give ourselves to something and we have this need to fill the hole that is inside of us. And we will do whatever we can to fill it and all while God is inviting and inviting and inviting us to fill it with Himself, we get impatient, we get anxious, we get distracted, we get selfish, and, and we end up filling this hole with other things, and those are called idols. So so let's bring a little more clarity around the concept of, of addiction. We have been conditioned to look at addiction as one of two things. Both of them have positives, but but when you start to see how the Bible approaches this, both of them are just incomplete. One way to see addiction is only as a disease, like only the, the disease model, only as a disease. It says that since alcoholism or drug addiction or any addictive behavior really is a disease, then you have no power to really break it. You're stuck with it. You can't overcome it. You're always an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever addiction that is, that it is for you. You're a victim of your broken biology. And now listen, there's some truth to this. You feel like you're out of control. You have the feeling of being unable to stop, but this isn't a full explanation of what's going on. The other way we've been conditioned to look at addiction is that it's all about choice. Like you chose this path, it's your own willful decision. You can make a different choice anytime you want to, you just don't wanna do it. A lot of us have heard that and there's a little bit of truth in both of these, right? But they're incomplete because if you're struggling with addiction, you can feel both guilty about it and you can feel unable to stop. You can feel like you're responsible for the mess, but you can also feel like you're out of control. It feels like both, right? And it makes you feel crazy. Both of those views are incomplete. And if you're misunderstanding the problem, remember, you're going to misunderstand the solution. Within the scriptures, addictions are viewed as this, voluntary slavery. Voluntary slavery. Let's break that down. Voluntary slavery means that it's both. Sin is always a choice, and we make choices that put us in difficult places. There's a responsibility that you have for your own actions. But some forms of sin create a level of what we would call bondage to a particular habit. And this bondage can be really hard to break. You feel like you can't stop drinking even though you Want to. It's the, the addict who gets money and then immediately knows they're going to buy drugs with it. They can't not do it. You are enslaved to it. It's voluntary slavery. You make willful choices to do certain things, and then over the course of time, they become easier and easier to make. First drink is, is kinda hard and then it gets easier and easier as time goes on. The first glance, first glance at pornography on the computer takes a lot of effort and the next time and the next time and the next time it's easier and easier because we make choices that give us this momentary feeling that we're looking for and then it goes away. And as human beings we want that to feel that way again and so we go back again even though we know it's bad for us just one more time, right? Like just one more time and soon, Those choices become habits. Habits that are supported by powerful physical dynamics going on inside our bodies and suddenly we feel like we can't stop. There's no way out. Well, the Bible doesn't let us off the hook either way. It's voluntary slavery. It's both a choice to sin or not. And then it is also the power of habitual behavior. And truthfully, every time we step away from God's ideal for us and into sin, the opportunity for that one decision to become a pattern and a habit is always right there. When I choose to gossip about somebody, the opportunity comes quicker and easier the next time. And then the next, when I choose to lie about something small, insignificant, you know what happens? it's easier to lie about it the next time. When I choose to cheat, like if I'm playing golf and I decide I'm just gonna give myself a four on this hole instead of a five, nobody cares. It's easier to do that with something bigger later. Sin is by very nature addicting. So it's no wonder that we can drink too much one night and then the next time we feel we have the opportunity, it becomes a little bit easier. It's a deadly game that we play, right? Let me ask you, is there a dangerous habit forming in your life right now? Thankfully, God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us without power. He doesn't leave us without a weapon. He doesn't leave us at all. There are passages throughout the Bible about this, but here's what Paul says in First Corinthians. I wanna share this with you. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. First Corinthians chapter 10. Paul recognized that when we get tempted, when we're tempted and what we are tempted with, even if it's substance abuse, alcohol, sex, golf, cheating, another relationship, whatever, it's actually idolatry. The temptation is to place something else in your life over God, and God simply won't stand for that. Now, a couple of things from this passage. Other people have faced what you are facing. I know it's hard to recognize that sometimes. It's hard to see it. It's because it feels like you're drowning all on your own. But other people have gone through what you are going through and have made it out. And there's also this, God will always offer you a way out. He will always give you a way to get out of the temptation. It will mean that you have to take him up on it, but there's always a person you can go to. There's always someone to call or an opportunity to remove yourself from the situation you're in. It's always there. It's just that sometimes we ignore it because we want what we want when we want it. And sometimes what you hear at this point is this, you just need to try harder, right? Like you need to do better. You need to make different choices. That's what we tend to wanna communicate, which maybe that's true, but when we just say that, we aren't getting to the deepest part of us. We aren't addressing what is going on at the soul level. And if your soul doesn't start changing, you will end up in voluntary slavery for a long, long time. Now, if you're dealing with dependency and addiction, usually what you hear is all about control and obedience. You need to control this better. You just need to obey God more, but it's really hard to do that when you're depleted spiritually. It's hard to do that when you are hungry deep within your soul for something. It's hard to do that when you are thirsty at the soul level. It's hard to just sort of suck it up and try harder when you're lost. And we don't need to talk about control and obedience as much as we need to talk about love and worship. Because if you're struggling with an addiction, or even if you're just like entertaining sin in your life, what, are, what you're doing is you're substituting what the world offers. And let's be honest, that's, that's all it can offer you're substituting for, for the real, genuine, authentic, and powerful Jesus. Jesus was speaking one day with a Samaritan woman around a well about this very thing, and here's what he told her. He says that everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal Life. If you're struggling with addiction today, or or, hey, like all of us are struggling with sin, you don't need a formula to fix it and I can't give you one anyway. What you need is a transformation, not a formula. At the deepest part of who you are, not at the decisions level, not at the thinking level, you need a transformation all the way down to the soul level. And Jesus says, you drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. And guess what? You keep abusing alcohol, you'll be thirsty again if you keep experimenting with drugs you'll be thirsty again. You keep ingesting pornography, you will be thirsty again, all the while hurting yourself in a dozen other ways. But Jesus' words back then are still true today. Whoever drinks the water I give them, he says, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And Jesus later on, he says it in a different way. He says it like this. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus alone is what satisfies our souls. And I believe Jesus can deliver you from your addiction right now if in his all-encompassing wisdom he chooses to. I believe that he also wants to provide help through people who love you if he chooses not to remove your burden immediately. But either way, The point is this, it's an idolatry issue, which means it's a relationship issue. I might not be able to give you a roadmap today for defeating your addictive behaviors, but I can give you the starting point. It's turning your heart towards loving and worshiping Jesus. It's cultivating your relationship with him as the living water for your soul, as the bread of life who will always satisfy you when everything else fades away. Jesus alone is what satisfies our souls. So you wanna defeat addiction in your life, you wanna begin that process. There are experts who are trained to help you and you shouldn't walk through this Alone. They're experts in alcohol, drugs, sexual addiction, other addictive behaviors. But don't just do the work on the behavior side without doing the work on the soul side. Jesus can bring full healing into your life. And I believe what he's after is even deeper than full physical healing. He wants to take the idol out of your life and replace it with him. And that is more than behavior. It's about who you love. It's about who you worship. And as you begin to cultivate your relationship with Jesus and invite him into that place of lordship and let him sit on the throne of your life, you will find an increasing devotion to him and a decreasing motivation to let an idol take his place. How do you do that? Here's some suggestions. First is this. Regularly read the gospels. It sounds overly simplistic, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because if you will because you will find yourself face to face with Jesus in them. You'll get to know the real Jesus there. Second thing is this. Allow yourself to be vulnerable with encouraging friends. Not the friends who encourage you to drink, right? But people who can be your true friends, who will encourage you to follow Jesus, you and I both need people around us who are moving in the same direction that we are. And if you're standing in a current and you're trying to go upstream and everybody else and everything else is falling, flowing the opposite way, it's hard, isn't it? It's going to take effort. Seek out people who will help you and not hurt you. And then make worship a priority. Like You, you want to have Jesus on the throne of your life, put him there. Often, remind him that he's your king, not 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 your addiction is your king, not the sin you struggle with. Remind yourself that he is your king. If you can start with those three things, regularly read the Gospels, getting around Jesus, building encouraging relationships where you can be honest, making worship a priority with your heart, I guarantee you, you'll start to see the tide shift in your life. And the freedom that Jesus offers can really be yours because Jesus alone is what satisfies our souls. Jesus alone is what satisfies our souls. Can I pray for you? God, you are all powerful and there are addictions that have a hold on so many of us and you wanna break the chains of those. God, some things in our lives we voluntarily put ourselves in slavery to. And then they begin to feel like they're involuntary, like they're these habits that we can't seem to break out of. God, would you in your power, in your grace, in your mercy, just bring your power on us in a mighty, mighty way. Give us your hope. Show us the hope for a future free from addictions where we can put you truly, on the throne of our lives and help us to walk in that freedom, enjoying everything that you want to bring our way. We thank you when we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.